also really the close of the, the yearly theme. And the yearly theme this year has been on the Holy Spirit. And so, I guess I didn't put that back, did I? Or did I? Somebody, yeah, no, so, somebody took a cup. I, I, there's a cup missing, so somebody came along and did that. I, maybe I didn't put it back. I don't know. Anyway, I, I, won't, I won't think about it for a while. Uh, where was I? Oh, the close of the yearly theme on the Holy Spirit. Does anyone else recognize the, well, the irony of this topic for this week? We'll talk about that in a second. Would you stand up with me here? And we're going we're gonna to read. You got one more chance to memorize this verse before we stop showing it to you for a while. Of course, you might be able to find it in one of your books at home. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. And then we're going to read one verse from the book of Proverbs. Better a patient person than a warrior, those with self-control than those who take a city. Father, I thank you for your presence. I thank you for the, the power of the Holy Spirit. I pray that you would quicken our hearts. I pray, Lord, that the, the, the deadest and dullest spirit that is here today, God, would, be, would find itself touched, would find itself quickened and awakened, that you would speak to us, that you would speak to us for today, for our lives, and you would speak to us for eternity's sake. In Jesus' name, amen. Hug two people, and then you can sit down. And if you sit down without hugging anybody, stand back up and hug somebody. Two people. Person, person. Okay, let's have a little self-control, people. Two, and you sit back down. As I was saying, does anyone, uh, does anyone uh, recognize the irony of, of this topic especially on this particular week. The, uh, I don't know about you, but the phrase, the, the name Turkey Day doesn't resonate with me quite like Thanksgiving does. Just, just want to throw that out. Just, just want to kind of put that out there. Because to me, Turkey Day says one thing and Thanksgiving says something else. And uh, one of them we really need to be reminded of. The other one, eh, it doesn't necessarily matter. But, uh, but Thanksgiving, I, we, had a good, we had a big meal at, at Thanksgiving. And uh, in fact, we had the same meal, Margaret and I did, uh, the next night and last night as well. <laughs> but I think we finally have finished it. So there you go. Uh, but it's not just thanksgiving that makes this an irony there was also like the day after thanksgiving how many of you began black friday on thursday okay we got some no's and no's and we got some people going yeah i did and you guys are a lot better than the first service because in the first because you, you you know you kind of got there in the first service it was sort of like <laughs> you know this how many of you got up before dark before daylight, <laughs> while it was still dark. Yeah, while it was still dark. Okay. One and then my family. Okay, two. 
Yeah. In fact, uh, uh, Margaret and, and the girls have this wonderful um, pre-shopping day that they go on. Wednesday is the pre-shopping day for Friday. And then this year, because Arwen had a half a day off, they did a pre-pre-shopping day and a pre-shopping day as well as the, as the shopping day. Self-control. Really, the, the more ironic part of it for me, though, rather than it necessarily being the fact that, okay, this was Thanksgiving week and Black Friday and all that business, was it closing out the theme for the year on the Holy Spirit with something called self-control? Seems kind of like an oxymoron. Seems like those two things don't necessarily go together. And yet, hopefully, by the time we're finished here today, they will go together. What is self-control? Uh, it's a good place to start. First of all, let me say it isn't the ability to make self-determination. You may Because it would sound like it's, oh, well, self-control is when I have control over something. When I have control over a situation or when, I, when I'm, I'm free to make whatever choice I would like to make. But that, that really isn't it because a lot of the choices that we make really stink. <laughs> have you ever made a choice deliberately? You, you, you had the freedom to make it. You made it. You did it. And then later on you look back at it and went, oh, my, what was I thinking? Yeah. That's not self-control. That's just making a dumb decision. That's what that is. And the truth of the matter is even people, and we make a lot of them, even, even people who uh, are in bondages, in, in addictive type bondages, whether it's alcohol or drugs or pornography or whatever it may be, at one point in their life, they made a decision to go there. At some point, there was a decision made to take that drink or to uh, try that drug or to do whatever. That took them there. So just being free to make a decision can't be the same thing as something good, which self-control actually is. So let's put a definition with it. And actually, this definition is one that I made up, so do with it whatever you will. It's not necessarily in the Bible, but I, I felt like it was a pretty good definition. Let's, let's see if it works for us. The ability to make right decisions and follow through. The first service appreciated it a lot more than you guys seem to be appreciating it. I mean, I thought about this for minutes. And I decided to do it, and I followed through. I put it up there. It, that's, that's, that's the definition. But I, I, let's use that as a working definition. To make a decision that's a right decision, because you make a wrong decision and follow through, that's not a good thing. But you make a right decision and you follow through, on it, then that oftentimes requires self-control. And it often includes making a right decision about what not to do as well as what to do. At some point in your life, most people make the decision that they're not going to commit adultery. Now, does that mean that they'll never be tempted to commit adultery? Well, they probably will be tempted to, but if they decided that they're not going to and they follow through on it, that's 
That's a good thing. That's self-control. They, at, at some point in, in a person's life, you may decide that you're never going to drive under the influence. You know, DUI it out there. That, that's, that's, a, that's a negative, but it's, it's, something that, uh, it's something that requires self-control. At some point in your life, you may make a decision that you're not going to overspend at Christmas time. Making that decision is a good decision. Following through requires self-control. So some of these things, some of these things appear to be negative, but they're actually, you know, they're actually positive. You may make the decision that you're not going to lose your temper anymore. That you're not going to yell at your kids. That you're not going to disobey your parents. You know, any, any number of things. Some of them, however, are positive things, things that you should do. We have New Year's coming up. Does anybody know what happens at New Year's? Another SEC national championship. <laughs> people, make, people make resolutions. People decide to go on a diet. How'd that work out for you this year? People decide, every year at the, at the end of the year, either the last Sunday of the year or if it falls on New Year's Day, the first Sunday of the first of the year, uh, if you come to this church, you'll hear a sermon about reading the Word in the year to come. And when we give that sermon, because it's always very powerful and persuasive and very moving, there's uh, probably at least 20% of the congregation who goes, I'm going to do that. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to read the whole Bible this year or, you know, a couple years ago I said, look, just read the New Testament. Read, do that this year, you know. Or I'm going to read every day this year. Might be five minutes, ten minutes, but I'm going to do it. And like I say, it's probably, I, I'm just guesstimating, I have no way of knowing this, but I'd say maybe, maybe 20, maybe 25% on a good year uh, decide that I'm going to do that. And then this thing happens called February. Sometimes it's maybe, sometimes February comes a little later in the year, but this thing happens where all of a sudden it's just not happening anymore. And why is that? It's because we don't have the ability to make right decisions and follow through. Wednesday night, and a lot of people, they go, uh, you know, this coming year, I'm going to start going on Wednesday nights. And they do start going on Wednesday nights. <laughs> they just don't keep on going on Wednesday nights. So maybe the resolution should be, I'm going to start and keep on going on Wednesday. I mean, the first Wednesday night of the year is one of the most exciting nights of the year for pastors. Because you come to church and you're going, Wow! We have really grown. And then this thing happens called February. <laughs> and you realize, eh, well, maybe, maybe we're about the same size we were. It is the ability to submit our lower instincts and desires. We all have them. To submit our lower instincts and desires to higher purposes, to higher instincts and desires in our life. Uh, 
Abraham Lincoln called the better angels of our nature, that those things that call us to higher things, to more, to, to, uh, to more meaningful and blessed things. Example of self-control fails. There are many of them, but let's look at just a couple, a few. Moses. Moses was a great man. No two ways about it. Before Christ, I, I think there would be very little argument that biblically he was the greatest man who ever lived before Christ came along. And yet Moses had some fails in his life. Killing the Egyptian was certainly a, a fail, a self-control fail. Now whether he did it in the, whether he killed the Egyptian in the, in the heat of passion, seeing that the guy was, was beating one of his brother Israelites and went and killed him, or whether he decided, you know what, I need to go out and kill an Egyptian today. We'll start a revolution. You know. Whichever way, it was a lack of making a right decision and following through with it. And it cost him 40 years. You know, sometimes our, our lack of self-control cost us something. It cost him 40 years. I, I don't know if God would have... Um, delivered the Israelites sooner or not without this. I do know that God had prophesied that they would be in bondage for 400 years. And it turned out they were in bondage for 440 years. And Moses was in the wilderness for 40 years because of this, before he was sent back to rescue them. So, you know, it may have cost a lot of people something, the fact that he lost self-control. Also, striking the rock the second time. The first time that uh, Moses was told to bring forth water in the wilderness, he was told, strike this rock and water will come forth, and it came forth. Second time, God said, speak to the rock. And Moses lost his cool. Because when he got up in front of the rock, he yelled out at the people, do I have to bring water from this rock for you bunch of rebels? Crack! Nothing happened. It's great. I would love to have been there. I would have loved to have seen the look on that guy's face, you know, as he hits that rock, and it's just a rock. But then God, in his mercy, finally brought the water forth. But it was, Moses, it was a fail. It, it kept him from being able to enter into the promised land and lead the people in the promised land, which was the destiny that was in his life. That's what, that's what God had, had prepared for him, and it was the greatest desire that he had by that time. Self-control fails. David, David was a pretty, pretty big guy. I mean, you know, he was, uh, the Lord said, I'll make your name great like one of the great men of all the earth, and he certainly did it. But his fails are very famous. I mean, we know what they are. Bathsheba, of course, was one of those fails, and that was just, that was a self-control fail of lust, and that, and that happens to us all the time. And, and when, when I use the word lust, understand that I'm not just taught, lust is not confined to sexual immorality. I mean, lust can be food, cars, caps, music, whatever, sports. be a lot of things that we have this voracious appetite for that isn't God. And then Uriah, and killing Uriah. And I was thinking about this. I was thinking, you know, David brought Uriah back from the battlefront so that he would 
go and sleep with his wife, and then when it turned out that his wife was pregnant, nobody would know what David had done. But Uriah wouldn't go sleep with his wife because the army was out uh, in, in, the, in the battlefield, and he, he just didn't feel like it was right for him to do that while his comrades were out there fighting. Now, that's a, you know, that, that, that's a guy right there. That's the kind of guy you want beside you in the foxhole. And, and I was thinking, you know, well, couldn't David have just sat him down and said, hey, let me just tell you what happened, and this is why you need to go and sleep with your wife, okay? Uh, because Uriah obviously was committed to him. Uriah obviously loved him, but you know what? That was an honor-shame society. And if you remember a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about humility, no matter how much Uriah loved him, uh, uh, he would have fought for his, he would have, he'd have had to consider the shame and the honor taken on. So David actually dug a hole for himself by his first lack of self-control. It created this second necessity, and boy, does that ever happen all the time. You know, I've always heard that uh, the reason why you shouldn't do drugs light drugs is because it'll lead you into heavy drugs and I don't know if it'll do that or not but I'll tell you what lack of self-control will lead you into more trouble regardless of what area it happens to be in so this is Moses and there's David and then there's me uh, I'm not gonna put anything up there <laughs> but I am gonna tell you about in retrospect, what I think was the most embarrassing moment of my life. Uh, I was in high school, <laughs> surprise, and uh, not a surprise that I went to high school, but surprised that that was when one of my most embarrassing moments happened. And I think I had just turned 18, and I had been, uh, I'd been I was dating this girl, Joni Janung, and she was, uh, she was a pretty good athlete, and she was... Uh, uh, she was on the girls' basketball team, and I went to see one of the girls' basketball games. And uh, I, actually, I went to see all the girls' basketball games, but I went to see this particular one, and they were getting killed. And uh, the coach had Joni on the bench. She hadn't even been in the game at all. And I don't know, uh, uh, I used to be very competitive. <laughs> used to, it's hard to believe. Actually, I've mellowed a lot in the last 10 years. You can ask my wife if you remember to ask her uh, and think about it. Otherwise, just take my word for it. And, uh, and I just, I, I couldn't take it anymore. I mean, I'm just going, this is crazy. You got these players out there who aren't doing very well, and you got this girl on the bench who could really make a difference. And so... You know, I kind of waited until everything quieted down, and then I yelled out, Put Joni in the game! Now, once would have been enough. But the coach didn't seem to hear me. And so the next time things quieted out, Put Joni in the game! And this went on for about 10 minutes. And the more it went on, the quieter things got around me. You know, and, and, I, I, and at one point I realized that everybody was kind of looking at me, including the coach, 
And, and everybody but Joni, I think she was kind of like, Ugh, you know, down there. And, you know, the coach's husband finally had to come over and talk to me, and it still didn't calm me down. And you know what? It took me like 40 years to realize, boy, was that embarrassing. Here's the thing about lack of self-control. It may not prevent you from succeeding. It may not prevent you from your destiny. It, may not, it won't pre necessarily prevent God from using you. But those occasions, as you look back on them, will be the cause for some of the greatest moments of regret in your entire life. They're the ones that you look back on and go, oh, man. Boy, I really could have done all, I really, I could have lived a long time and not done that. Really shouldn't have been there. Really shouldn't have done that or said that. Self-control is power. Proverbs 16, 32, better a patient person than a warrior. Better those with self-control than those who take a city. We take such a short-range view of things. Who wants a patient person when you need a warrior, right? I mean, there are times you just need a warrior. And most of the time, it's right now, uh, whatever now happens to be. But the thing about the Bible is if you, if, you, if you give it a chance to soak into your life, it gives you a much longer-range perspective of what's going on. gives you a much longer-range perspective of what's happening in, in the world and what's happening right now. In your own life and those times when we feel like <clears throat> now is the time to act may in fact be the time to wait a minute wait just a minute you know there's there you may live past this week there may be other things to consider here maybe some things that there might even be some things that impact eternity that are at stake here, that are at play here. In fact, if it's dealing with people, I guarantee you there are things that have to do with eternity that are at play, that are at stake in what you're doing. Now, this doesn't mean that a patient man never fights. David was, to me, David was the most patient man in all of Scripture. I mean, people talk about Job, and, and they do because James writes about him being patient, but the truth of the matter is, Job didn't have too much choice what was going on. You know, wasn't much he could do to stop it. David, for years, was placed in situations where he absolutely could have stopped Saul from chasing him. He absolutely could have taken what God had already promised to him. It was right there. And yet he didn't do it because he was patient. Because he knew there's a right way to do this and there's a wrong way to do this. I mean, doing this may be what God wants. But doing it my way is not what God wants. Doing it his way accomplishes, accomplishes something positive. We'll get, we'll get into that a little bit more here in just a minute. But, I mean, David, David was patient. He waited. Now, you know, when it came time to go to war... You didn't want to be against that guy. You wanted to be on his side because he, he was one of the greatest warriors in all of history, but he was also one of the most patient men in all of history. A man who can control himself may well forego 
taking a city. But he'll ultimately take the whole world, which is a little bigger than a city. Jesus was offered the kingdoms of this world right now. But he gave it a pass because he had his eyes on something else. The only perfect example of self-control that we have, of course, is Christ. No surprise there. It took self-control to be obedient. He said to his disciples on the night before he went to the cross, I will not speak to you much longer, for the prince of this world is coming. He has no hold on me, but the world must learn that I love the Father and that I do exactly what the Father has commanded me. Has anybody ever tried to provoke you intentionally? Yeah. Prop all the time? God bless you. Yeah. And, and, and to be very honest, let me, let, me, let, me, let me say this because sometimes we feel like somebody's trying to provoke us and they really aren't. We're just on a, a different wavelength. But there are times when people try to provoke you, and I promise you the prince of this world was coming to provoke. And well, he was coming to kill him. He was coming to provoke him. Well, it was. I mean, the cross was one thing, but I mean, that trial, <whistles> boy. None of, none of us would want to be in, in, in that kind of justice system. And Jesus said, he has no hold on me. He doesn't have the right to do this to me, is one of the things that that means. But the other thing it means is he has no hold on me. He can't provoke me. Because I'm not fixated on him. I'm not focused on him. The world's got to learn that I'm focused on my father. And that I'll do whatever he tells me to do. And so it took self-control to be obedient. It took self-control to not defend himself, to not defend himself in action. He could have easily wiped out his enemies. When Peter took his sword and tried to cut Malchus's head off and ended up only getting his ear, Jesus said, put your sword away. He said, do you not think I can call on my father? And he will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels. But how then would the scriptures be fulfilled? Let's say it must happen this way. There's something bigger at play here than what you see, Peter. There's something more important going on behind the scenes. And really the question was, who is the enemy? If he calls on 12 legions of angels and wipes out this little contingent that is after him and trying to crucify him, okay, that's great. Has the devil been defeated? No, not yet. And in fact, he wouldn't be. The devil would win. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities and high places. And so we, the, our weapons are not carnal. And Jesus' weapon in this case wasn't carnal. I mean, he could have called on angels. Uh, not that angels are carnal, but I mean, you know, he could have called on the sword, but he didn't. He called on self-control. He could have, uh, he didn't even have to do that. He could have just, he could have just started talking. And when, when, they, when they came to get him, I love the, the passage in John where they're coming to get him. And uh, Jesus comes out to them and he says, who is it that you are looking for? And they all 
fall down on the ground. All he did was say, who is it you're looking for? Now, somebody whose words are that powerful can do something with his words. In fact, he had done that all along. Over in John chapter 7, Jesus had been um, discussing with the Jews publicly and the And the Sanhedrin sent guards to go arrest him, to bring him in for questioning. And the guards came back without him. And said, finally, the temple guards went back to the chief priests and Pharisees who asked them, why didn't you bring him in? No one ever spoke the way this man does, they said. He didn't have to call on angels. All he had to do was start talking. He could have put an end to this, but he didn't. Because how else would the scripture be fulfilled? Isaiah said he was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shearers is silent. So he did not open his mouth. Very few words did he say during the trial, during his time before Pilate. One of the things that he did say to Pilate, though, was this. You would have no power over me at all if it were not given to you from above. Therefore, the one who handed me over to you is guilty of a greater sin. Jesus understood this isn't about human authority. This isn't about me going to the cross. This is is about my Father. He's the one who put this together. He's the one who, you would have no power over me if he didn't give it to you. Therefore, I'm at your disposal. How would that go down in the North American church today? The reason he could do this is because when Pilate asked him he was a king, he said, yeah, I'm a king, but my kingdom's not of this world. My kingdom's from another place. My kingdom were from this world. My my servants, my followers would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jews, but my kingdom's from somewhere else. And you know what? Ours is too. Ours is too. Our citizenship is somewhere else. You know, if we if we if you belong to Jesus Christ, you're an heir of God, a, a joint heir with Jesus Christ. You're you're a pilgrim and stranger in this world. Your citizenship is in heaven. The final irony is self-control is ultimately only gained by surrender to the Spirit. It's really not about you controlling yourself. It's about you surrendering to Him and letting Him control you. My life is not my own. To you I belong. We sing all kinds of songs that say it. Willpower cannot accomplish this. Jesus said to Nicodemus, flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. Where does willpower come from? Very good. Willpower comes from the flesh. Self-control starts with making the right decisions, and, and the flesh can't even make the right decisions. Twice in Proverbs it says there's a way that seems right to a man, But the end of it is destruction. 
Romans chapter 8. This is one of those passages that's kind of long, but I think it sort of sums this whole thing up. The, sin, the mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. The sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Notice it does not say the sinful mind occasionally, only occasionally can submit to God's law. It doesn't say the sinful mind uh, most of the time doesn't submit to God's law. It says it cannot submit to God's law. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit. If the Spirit of God lives in you, there's no way to get there on your own. Yeah, you can do some things with willpower. You can quit smoking. That's great. I hope you do quit smoking. It'll give you more money to tithe with. But if you keep smoking, put us in your will and leave the money to us that you were... Never mind. But a hundred years from now, who cares if you smoked or not? Very honestly. You, you, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit, if the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. It's not about saying certain words it's not about going through certain rituals creeds are important but it's not about ascribing to creeds it is about having the spirit of god inside of you that's where it all comes from if the spirit of god in, lives in you then he produces the fruit of the spirit which is self-control in part so i don't know maybe 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 it's kind of misnamed but that's that's where it comes from I want to do one more scripture here. This is the last one. This is a scripture to live by. This is a scripture that, that every Christian should have implanted deeply in their, in their spirit and in their heart. And it's John chapter 15, verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing nothing and as Christians once we come to the place where we understand this where we grasp this concept it doesn't mean that you just sit down and stop doing stuff no it means that it now becomes about being it's not about trying to please God it's not about trying to earn salvation it's about becoming engaged with being obedient and following the Holy Spirit. Engaged with Him. In, in a couple of minutes, I'm going to have people come up here and pray with folks. And here's the thing. If you are... <laughs> I was going to say, if you, if you have trouble with self-control in any area, which probably only fits about 100% of you. But, but if, if there's a particular area that the Holy Spirit is calling to your remembrance right now, He's calling to your remembrance not so you can go out and do something about it, but because 
He's calling you closer to him. He doesn't call those things to your remembrance so you'll go, oh, oh, stop that. He's calling it to your remembrance so you go, boy, I need him. Boy, I need him. I can't do anything without him. He's calling you closer to him. And this, this, this isn't about trying to make someone feel bad about what they did back then. What you did back then is done back then. And you can't go back and change it. And that's a whole different issue. It's under the blood. It's under I mean, mercy and forgiveness. This is about what happens from this minute for the rest of your life. It's from here on out. That's what it's about. If there's something that he's calling to your remembrance, he's calling you closer to himself, you might, you might need to come down here and go, Confess your sins one to another and pray for each other so that you may be healed. So that the broken place may be mended. So that you may be drawn closer. So if there's a particular thing, this would be a good thing to have someone pray for you about today. And if your whole life's just a wreck, if it's just a mess, you know, if, if Jesus just really isn't a part of it. Mine was. Before I came to the Lord in the times that I'd kind of drift away from it starts wrecking again but if your if your whole life's just a wreck I, you see, I didn't know mine was a wreck I thought I didn't want to give my life to Jesus because he'd mess it up and I gave my life to Jesus and discovered my life was totally messed up and he fixed it this is where it starts this is where it starts and and one other thing some of you came today with needs that you want to have prayer for and now you're intimidated because you're thinking well if I go down there somebody will wonder what my problem is uh, you know what that's their problem that's not your problem that's theirs would you stand with me would those who are going to pray for people come forward pray with people and if you don't need to come we're going to worship for a few moments and you're still part of the you're part of the ministry you can pray for those who are coming or you can worship and create an atmosphere of the holy spirit to be able to work the altar's open and you come you come I, he'll do some stuff for you today he will absolutely do some stuff for you i believe that
I'm serious. It, it's just, it's great being with y'all. It is. Raise your hand. We give you a blessing. May the God and Father of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who sent his Son into the world to redeem us and draw us to himself through the power of the Holy Spirit, may you experience the, the fullness and the joy and the confidence of those who walk in submission to the Spirit. May you experience the self-control of those who walk in submission to the Spirit through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.